0: Hello everyone, my name is Joanne Lockwood and I am your host for the Inclusion Bytes podcast. In this series I have interviewed a number of amazing people and simply had a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at S W E That's s-double-e-changehappen.co.uk. You can catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 50, with the title, Learning to Talk, to Listen, and to Learn. And I have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by Ian Chapman. Ian describes himself as someone who is just a generally helpful, kind, and decent person. When I asked Ian to describe his superpower, he said it has been a connector man. If you ask Ian to put you in touch with someone, he generally knows them. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Joanne. Good
1: morning, everybody. Uh, lovely to join you. Really delighted. I'm on number 50. I, I, I like to yeah. think that's a bit special. But congratulations on the is. 49 yes. previously.
0: I think it is. I think I think you have the honour of being the half century, and you, we could talk about your love of cricket as well in a minute if you wish. Absolutely, so you're not the half century, though. Absolutely. Uh, so, Ian, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned one of your mantras is "learning to talk, listening to learn." What yes. does that mean to you?
1: Well, to me, so I'll just give you a little bit of bit of background for your listeners. So, I'm a uh, fifty four year old. I'm a heterosexual male. I'm married to, uh, my wife Sally. I've got no children. I live in, uh, uh, Barnsley in South Yorkshire. Um, and I've got a dog. So I, um, have very much come from a background of two loving parents who've supported me throughout my life. Um, And, um, I would say that I don't necessarily fit into any particular, um, diversity group. You know, quite often we talk about diversity and we talk about, you know, kind of like ethnicity or disability or, um, whoever, uh, whatever, whatever background. Um, I am just me. I just like to be just me. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I would love everybody to be able to just be them and i think that's the most important thing so um so that's just a little bit of back, background about me i've i've come from um a uh, uh an upbringing where i've been quite blessed to be surrounded by quite a lot of different people um and my my current role um i'm absolutely Surrounded by some amazing people, amazing colleagues who've literally given me the opportunity to learn, to uh, um, to develop. It's one of these things. As a, a white middle class chap in his fifties, you you hope that you turn into something decent in life as you go through life. Well, I think the people that are around me are turning me into an even better person. Um, than I probably was a few years ago, just by educating, you know, listening, talking, understanding, supporting, connecting. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm in a really good place in life at the moment. Um, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, which is for me part of the reason why I, was happy to come and, and 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 jump aboard and have a conversation because you know i i i feel it's really important in in many respects for whoever's listening that you know life's not you know in in the words of the the great Ronan keating life is a roller coaster and you've just got to ride it type of thing you know and and you never know what's quite round the corner so um so yeah so that's so that's so that's me i'm a massive sports fan um i've been ever since the age of 13 i think it was i went to my first football match uh and ever since then i've been travelling all over the country watching uh football um not just not just england but scotland and wales and you know I, if 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 i go on holiday i love holidays i'm a massive traveller and one of the things that always seems to happen is we turn up in a city somewhere in the world. And the first thing that I look for is a football ground. So I'm almost obsessed by it. Um, but at the same time, that's had its own challenges, you know, from uh, being the stereotypical young man growing up in the eighties, you know, going to football to the bloke in his fifties, uh surrounded by some lovely people, some great friends, but you, You kind of like, you look at it slightly differently at this age. You know, you don't get so emotionally involved in it. You tend to spend more time listening to those around you and those around you's opinions. And so, what I do during the day where I'm sharing and listening and supporting and all those things, I then take into my football life. And I could be stood in a a pub pre match listening to some you know, opinions that if that was at work, I would be challenging those opinions. Uh, Or if it was people that I've known for a while, I would probably ask why they are saying those things, you know, in some respects. Whereas if you're in a pub surrounded by people that you don't necessarily know, you've got to pick and choose your um, conversations. So you've got to be very careful uh, in my in my my knowledge, you know, a few years ago, I'd have probably been a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I, I would. Have, I would have probably been a little less careful. I'll put it that way. Um, but now I'm I'm far more sensible. My wife keeps saying to me, "Don't don't get into an argument, don't get into a conversation," and she's
0: absolutely right.
1: So that's a, just a little bit about yes. my
0: background. Well, that's a a great intro, Ian, and I feel like I've got to know you a whole lot better in the last uh, couple of minutes. So, as you said, you're you're kind of this stereotypical early 50s white male, had a relatively privileged life by your own admission, stable family background in your childhood, reasonably stable. Well, you sound like you have a fantastic life with your wife and uh, your dog now, Mm. and, and a great hobby. When I speak to other people who are similar to yourself in terms of age and, and, and gender and, and ethnicity, there's a lot of fear about getting involved in conversations around inclusion and diversity. It's, it's almost like this, as a white person, what do you know as a male, what do you know about being inclusive? You almost feel like you're um, not qualified to, to join in the conversations. How, how do you cope with that?
1: I I have to say to start with um I, I, so if you go right the way back I was I was I was talking about it to my mum so my mum's in her 80s um well no she's actually 80 on the 30th of December and I was talking about it to my mum because one of my very first memories in life as a uh, I'd have probably been 3 or 4 years old um was Uh, my mum and dad did a lot of voluntary work. They supported charities. My dad was a preacher in the Methodist church, a local preacher for uh, 56 years um, of his life, you know, giving so much time, which is where I think I got a lot of my, hopefully good qualities from. So when I was a a tiny lad, um, one day a week, we used to have a young disabled man that used to come to our house and have tea and as you can imagine as a toddler well not a toddler going you know three four years old you sat at the dinner table with mum telling you what you've got to have for tea sat next to somebody who you haven't got a clue who they are and they're in a wheelchair and they're being spoon fed and they weren't part of my family and I I was talking to my mum about it as I said, and I, 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 I found it fascinating that f- almost 50 years later, I'm learning still about what happened in in my childhood. Um, and um, I, I re- it was really interesting because this, um, my mum and dad, as I said, did lots of voluntary work. And one of the charities that he supported back then was what was called the Spastic Society, who are now Scope. And it very much leads on to um, a conversation about language, because if you and I will we'll, we'll probably touch on this in a little bit, if that's okay. But if nowadays, if you used the word "spastic," you know most of us would put a head in our hands and be absolutely horrified if you had heard that word. Whereas back then, that was that was the name of the charity and then I, I i think the charity recognized that it wasn't a name that you know kind of like doing them any well I, I was about to say doing them any favors i don't think it was that i think it was just you know language has changed and things like that so they changed the the charity scope um so right from an early stage i was you know kind of like mixing with um people I didn't know and understanding, even though I wasn't necessarily understanding it at the time, but it was, you know, uh, there was, um, you know, I was this white young, you know, four-year-old moving into life with disabled people coming into our house. And then one of the next memories was my mum was a volunteer for the Samaritans. So back in the day where you had a phone that was at the bottom of the stairs and it actually had numbers in it and, you know, and you, you got like a, a, a round for, a, for all the young people out there who've just got a mobile phone that sits in your pocket, uh, you know, it used to have a, 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 um a handle and everything. And my mum used to sit on the bottom of the stairs for hours at a time talking to strangers. And I used to walk into the house thinking, who's my mum talking to on the phone? And I never never understood. And this was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And I genuinely didn't understand. And then once uh, I became old enough, then my mum explained to me that she was a volunteer for the Samaritans, helping people who were in crisis and helping people who were at tipping point in their life. And just little things like this that were huge things. I think has kind of like molded me into the person that I hope that I am at the moment. So, so where you talk about me being, you know, from a, a you know, as I would say, a privileged background, a white male, you know, and a lot of people can kind of like find it very difficult to get into the conversation. I probably find it difficult sometimes to get into the conversation as well because I'm always, Worried that I'm offending somebody when I'm, um, I was, um, I'll rephrase that. I'm not so worried anymore. I was worried, you know, I was worried that I might be saying the wrong thing or I might not have the knowledge or, you know, did I have the, uh, you know, the experience to being that in that conversation? But then when you actually look back and you think, well, actually, yes, because do you, do you, do you really have to have, um, you know, th- that level of education to be able to join a conversation. No, because we can all join a conversation and, and learn. Um, and probably the biggest influence in my life has always been my dad. Um, my dad was an incredibly intelligent man. And my dad um, basically used to say to me, you know, if you learn one thing every single day of your life, you will be an incredibly um knowledgeable person and that's something that i try to do um you know diversity inclusion is a part of that and it's been a huge part of my life over the last especially the last five years so yes
0: yeah i I was i mean we the title of this episode is talk listen and learn and it, it is so right we we, we've not met everybody in the world and on the basis that everybody is a unique individual we we can't hope to know everybody but what we can do is develop a level of emotional intelligence a level of cultural awareness and cultural intelligence to be able to have conversations with different people and and not be afraid and i think that's the key there is is being confident enough to listen to somebody to understand what makes them happy and what makes them sad? That's what I often say when I am training. Is if, if you know what makes me happy, you know what makes me sad. I'd like to think you'll just talk about things that make me happy and not, and not try make things that make me sad. I think if you just boil it down to that when you are communicating, then it's a very easy way to start conversations and and get just get to know people. And I also often say is that sit down, have a coffee, even if that's a Zoom coffee or a chat, and just just ask someone what makes them tick. You know, what, what makes you special? What's what, what what are you proud of in life and sometimes people will share you know i i i, I you go beyond that superficial how do you look you know you, you on the outside you look like a a white man on the inside you've got this you're like the tardis you've got so much depth of personality lived experience things that make you happy and sad and just by stereotyping you and judging you by the way you look doesn't uncover any of that 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 hidden knowledge you have, and I think that's the the powerful lesson that I've learned over the, probably a similar sort of time frame, five or six years, about being immersing myself into this the, the DNI space. And I could see, yeah, when, we, when I looked at what you wrote before the show about the work you're doing with your organisation in terms of organising communications and webinars and sessions and awareness to. Five ten thousand 10,000 people across your organization. All of those nuggets you're, you're, you're working on not only enrich the, the lives of, of, of the staff and colleagues, but also yourself. I'm, I'm assuming you must be enriching yourself through organizing that and learning about that in, in your own way.
1: Absolutely. it's um, For me... It... The whole lockdown experience, the whole working from home experience for all of our colleagues, um, it's given us a new opportunity. It's brought everybody, I think, a lot closer together. Uh, I think it's it's given certainly um, at Aon where I work, um, it's it's made us look at things, how we do things, slightly differently. As most employers, I will guess, and most Employees, I would guess we've all had to do things slightly differently um and one thing that we um recognized was that i i'm I'm Mr sociable. I walk into any of our offices and generally I'll find somebody that I know that I can go and have a chat with and I could sit next to um be it from Bristol all the way up to Glasgow but um Obviously, the, most of the conversations in my local office, which was Leeds, um, would happen in a social zone, in a kitchen, you know, in a, a you know a coffee shop at lunchtime, or a pub, or playing sport, or all all the, all the social things. You know, not necessarily when you're sat at your desk doing your job. It was. The bits, the walking down the corridor or the getting in the lift and saying, oh, morning, you're all right. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. So when we went into the lockdown position, we thought, how do we connect all these people that are missing those conversations? And uh, it was my colleague who, you know, we sat down and and came up with this idea. And it, we, we decided to call it Connecting Colleagues Speaker Series. And... It gave us an opportunity to do, as we said, connect colleagues and listen to somebody with a, all of, so all of the themes, um, had like a, an inclusion theme, you know, because we all needed a bit of, you know, a bit of inclusion at that point, you know, in, in, in May 2020, you know, we, we were just coming out of a, you know, we were still in a lockdown situation and we just felt that we could do this thing. So so our very first speaker um, uh, had just returned from uh, shared parental leave. And um, so we advertised this thing and for some reason, 130 odd colleagues joined us, which, which was like, wow, 130 people joined us um, and listened and learned about this colleague's background uh this colleague's ethnicity uh his role um and then how it had been for him and his partner sharing the first twelve months of their newborn baby and it was quite inspiring and so we then did another and we did another and we did another and this has just evolved and it continues continues to evolve and for me it's It's given not only colleagues the opportunity to learn, to listen, to open up what you just said there about a conversation. Anybody can have a conversation. It's having the confidence to have that conversation. It's having the confidence to approach somebody. It's having the confidence to, you know, ask that question with somebody that you know that you think, oh, you know, will they feel offended if I ask them a question? You know, should I be asking them the question? So the whole connecting colleagues thing was getting colleagues of any level, whoever they may be. We've had the CEO, we've had um, graduates, we've had um, any any level, any background. You know, any gender. We've had all sorts of people um, from Scotland all the way down to Bristol, you know, we've had overseas colleagues joining us and and it's incredible what you can learn after 31 sessions of colleagues um, talking about things like sexism, racism, domestic abuse, um, menopause, um, autism, um, you know, through to Positivity, you know, lockdown experience, you know, your role, you know. And I think it's made so many people more aware. It's certainly made me more aware of what's going on in society. And that was the whole point was that if we've got colleagues who, you know, one of the recent ones, we had two colleagues talking about their experience of going through menopause. And it's one of those taboo subjects that doesn't get talked about you know it doesn't get talked about at work you know if somebody is going through menopause they might confide in a friend or colleague or they might tell the line manager some don't whereas we had this conversation we had over 300 people join the conversation and listen to these Mm. colleagues sharing their experiences and it's like you know, they're, they're brave, they're honest, they're open, but it's just everyday life. And we and hopefully we're talking about everyday life and we're in, inspiring others to talk about everyday life. And then on the back of it, we're then hoping that those people that have joined might feel able to open up and be themselves, you know, and not hide something. We We talk about being your authentic self coming to work and being your authentic self you shouldn't have to leave something in the car park or at home when you come to work you know and that can be anything that can be your you know your, your your sexual orientation your you know you might have a mental health condition you know it could be your race it could be you know that you know you're struggling with something going on at home it could be all sorts of things and most people tend to Hide these things, and, and we're very much well. Don't, you don't have to hide them; there'll always be somebody to talk and listen to. And we're trying to bring that and out like, of people. Uh, yeah.
0: I like to encourage organisations to do exactly as as you're doing in the organisation, is to have these this program of events. And I certainly don't encourage anyone to do this kind of performative hashtag following program. It, it's something you're doing everything around. Uh, I don't know, uh, LGBT History Month or something, just because it is that month. It's about this continual programme, not necessarily just aligned to characteristics, but it's around lived experience. You say menopause is very intersectional. It covers a whole whole different sector of women and their experiences. And you say, it it has been something that has been oppressed in the workplace and almost culturally oppressed as well. Um, Coming, living, working in a, a mainly male background where men... As, a, as women want to feel that we are kind of equal to men. And menopause is one of those things that potentially knocks our confidence. And, you know, as, you, as you're aware, things like brain fog, things like anxiety that creep in, itching, heat, etc., etc. So there's a whole whole subculture and language around menopause that many people aren't just aren't comfortable talking about because it's been that, that taboo subject. And I think it's really, really powerful it is. where organizations such as yours normalise the conversation. So you're having this conversation around a subject you you, you maybe only partially have heard of and then you're hearing people talking openly around it and it gives you that permission to learn, it gives you that permission to be able to have that conversation yourself and ask questions and be more aware. And I I was was talking to a a colleague the other day, a friend the other day, about normalising conversations around menopause. In one way, it, it benefits the workplace but without being flippant about it, it also helps people's marriages and people's personal lives because we're not talking about this in the home environment either where the cause of many breakdowns and many stresses in marriages are around perimenopause and menopause times so but by, by bringing this into the workplace we're actually helping people in their personal lives as well so i think it's so powerful and I think what you what you're doing there is is admirable. Do, do you do you measure the effectiveness? I mean I, I appreciate this is not around it's it's not about measurement, but can you see positivity developing?
1: Yeah, you can you can. I mean the I mean the the all of the sessions that we've done, I think I think we've had a combined audience so far of around seven and a half thousand live you know, viewers, listeners, whatever you like to call it. And then we record all the sessions and um, most of the sessions. So I'll give you the the example with the menopause session. So um, as with most of your, you know, your Zooms or your WebExes or your Teams, you know, your your, um, platforms that you use, uh, we have a chat box at the bottom right. So the menopause session created a huge amount of conversation huge amount of conversation by colleagues that were listening and colleagues felt that they wanted to join the conversation in the chat box and um uh one thing that that i always do with the conversations is i always copy the chat box paste it onto a document just to make sure that if there is any questions that we've missed throughout the conversation, I feel that it's really important to, if somebody's taken the time during that conversation to actually ask a question. And as, as, as we all know, a, a, a presentation, a chat, it goes so quickly. And it's very difficult to make sure that we've actually gone back to everybody. So I always do this just to make sure that if there is somebody that we've missed, we can go back to them or one of the speakers will go back to them or we'll connect them with somebody. Um, And on the menopause session, uh, I copied it and pasted it onto a Word document and it was uh, 11 and a half pages long. The chat box just copied onto a Word document, which just shows the you know, the the power of the conversation. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that you know, at Aeon, we, we're hugely supported, I think, as colleagues. We're, we're very fortunate. We're hugely supported. You know, the, the organization give us lots of, um, uh, you know, different, um, you know, benefits and support Tools and you know we've got mental health first aiders and we've got lots and lots of great things that that we can pass on to colleagues on these sessions you know because not everybody's hundred percent aware that we've got all of these brilliant um, you know private medical insurance or an employee assistance program and things like that so we've got all these things, but often people don't recognize that we've got all these things so um that particular session we had a colleague from our uh, hr team who joined the session as well and spoke about all the benefits that were available so what started as a you know somebody suggesting it would be quite nice if we talked about menopause you know to me and i was like yeah let's go for it and In the end, it's turned into um, a huge conversation. A couple of, um, you know, there's follow-ups going on. There will be um, um, various different things. You know, we've always had like a a guide on the menopause, which is being updated. And, you know, so there's so much positivity that comes out of just one conversation like that. Um, What you said about family... My, uh, my wife, Sally, she's going through menopause at the moment, and I didn't understand. And so I'm hosting a session at work with 300 plus people listening to two people who are brave enough to have the openness and the conversation. And I'm learning myself about what's going on in my own house that I. Didn't recognize I didn't understand I've not had that conversation with you know with with my wife of sixteen years. I'd not had that conversation, so just where you say the impact, well, the impact just on me as an individual is huge because now I can have that conversation, I can recognize you know um things that my wife is going through, you know, and the one person who's most important in my life is my wife um and yet before that conversation i was slightly blinkered and it was like oh here she is bad mood again you know that type of typical you know um you know when you live with somebody for 20 odd years <laughs> kind of like reaction oh i've done something wrong and it you know it's just literally what what do you know what's happening in in sally's life so uh, yeah it's hugely important hugely important mm-hmm. um and yeah you know do we do we do anything with all of the numbers, all of the, um, you know, I've got I've got a massive, great big spreadsheet of colleagues who just keep joining this thing, um, because hopefully people recognise that there might be something that's going to come up that will benefit them, that will help them. You know, um, one of the best sessions that I think that we've done was when um, uh, the um, george floyd got murdered last year and our multicultural network um you know had the platform on speaker series to talk about um talking to kids about race and there was a you know it was a very awkward conversation that a lot of people like myself who maybe had kids didn't really know how to have that conversation with their white child for example um You know, and our multicultural network, people from different ethnicities, different parts of the country, all jumped on board and just basically helped, you know, like help you know, people like me understand that it is all right to have that conversation and gave us resources and ideas and thoughts and tips, you know, and how they've had the conversation, how difficult it's been for them growing up, you know, and then how difficult it can be for their child to grow up. So yeah,
0: there's a lot I, of positives. When I talk to other organisations, one of the challenges they have is it's not so about, much about the people who are in the room because you tend to have a there are certain people who are kind of yeah, this use the word woke they're awake they're, they're awake to the issues of social injustice they're keen to learn they want to find out more and they're always receptive to to this knowledge. It's the so I often say it's the people who aren't in the room are the ones I want to talk to because they're the ones that are not engaging so how do you as an individual maybe suggest trying to engage with people who are the unengaged which is obviously is the challenge it's
1: it's a huge challenge i i have to say you know and i think as a personally i think um i'll put work to one side but in my in my my personal life you know i've had many instances especially over the last two years you know since lockdown you know i'm very passionate about a lot of um you know diversity issues inclusion issues um and i've got some some people that you know that i've almost grew up with you know i've known for 20 30 years you know that just won't accept change you know they they will not Except they don't, you know. They, you know, they, 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 they're the they're your typical banter people. You know, well, I'm only—it's only a joke. Well, it isn't a joke. You know, you're constantly being sexist, racist, homophobic. You know, well, I don't mean to yeah, It's only a bit of a joke, isn't it? Well, no, it isn't a bit of a joke. Um, and you know, these are these. You know, there's a couple of 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 people that i grew up with up here in in south yorkshire and really good friends you know we've been friends for years and years and years and um you know we went through a situation where they were taking exception to um you know the whole issue last year of you know following George Floyd's death thing, you know, and people pulling statues down and then, you know, things like the, um, uh, the last night of the prompts, you know, you're not allowed to sing rule Britannia and things like that. And they were, they, they were literally up in arms about it. Why on earth should we have to change? You know, why, you know, and I was like, well, just take a step back and, and, understand and try and listen to other people's opinions you know the reason that um beyoncé's song about her her brown skin i think it was or something like that a song about her that she'd written about her daughter you know they were even commenting on things like that on facebook saying well if i'd have said this you know me and my white skin i, I you know i'd have been burnt at the stake for it and i'm like well no you wouldn't and then we just got into a whole debate and um eventually i chose to walk away from the debate because they weren't listening you know and they didn't want to listen to be honest i don't think they want to listen i think um and i think that's where it can be very difficult you know there's a lot of people who do want to learn who do want to understand who are culturally curious who you know want to make themselves slightly more educated slightly more understanding slightly better um in their knowledge and then you get these other people who just literally don't want to um and i think that's the biggest yeah. challenge where do you draw that line of right i'm going to back off from my argument now i'm going to i'm going to choose my battles i'm going to choose my discussions um and on the back of that particular incident, you know, I, I commented on the the um, Beyonce, I think I'm sure it was Beyonce, um, you know, on my, one of my close friends, you know, he, he was one of, you know, the people that came on my stag do, for example, you know, and I commented and literally some complete strangers were abusing me online, um, you know, uh, telling me to go and you know stick my head in a bucket of water and you know um you know how dare i question things like that and i was like well hang on a minute this person i've known him since he was six you know he's now in his mid-40s so i think i've got a right to comment on somebody that i've known for however many years um and the most disappointing thing was that The people that I'd always classed as as friends, you know, and they still are friends, they didn't defend me. They didn't say, well, actually, yeah, you know, he's been there when, you know, I've had marriage problems. He's been there when I've needed somebody to talk to, when I've struggled. He's been there, as I have, for those people. Um, And yet, when it came to an argument about race, they were like, you know. This is our opinion. Um, and since then, I've slightly removed them, you know, to one side. You know, mm. I, I, I took myself off of social media. I took myself off of WhatsApp groups that they were in um, because literally it wasn't making me well. You know, it was giving me anxiety. It was causing me upset. And, and so I literally just had to remove myself. It didn't change my opinion. My opinion stayed as it was, you know, and if anything, it just made me stronger in my beliefs and my support for um, other people, you know. And mm.
0: I, I th- find it, I find it very similar that it's very easy to get into a very intransigent conversation where you're trying to change somebody else's view, who isn't likely to change their view and they're as intransigent about trying to persuade you that they're right as you are persuaded and it becomes a very unproductive conversation which is why i i try not to discuss outcomes or opinions or beliefs i try to get involved in discussions around perspectives and why someone thinks something rather than what they think and i it allows me, that, therefore, not to engage in the in the minutiae of, of the debate of the argument, but trying to understand why they think that. And, and by having that kind of conversation, I found that people often don't know why they think something; it just it just is. And by using those that kind of why question, okay, I understand that you have this view of this situation. Why do you think that well, what's what's your view of the world that I could chip in? But the reason I think it's not fair is because if we only see white people on statues and and, and black and brown people and non-white people aren't represented in society, how can they feel part of something? They go. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to see black people on statues. Well, why not? They're, they're as much part of the community and help build the environment. And even if we don't want people on statues, how about we have cultural representations instead of people? The cultural representations are far more like to survive longer than than people, and uh, yeah, times change. So, yeah, it's. I find that if we can if we can have a conversation around a perspective, and the why someone thinks something, it, it's easier. But it's, that's also tricky, and, and I, I'm with you that I've been in environments with. A group of old friends i was at a, a reunion party for people i knew 40 years ago after i left school and my view on the world has, has changed completely and i was with people who, who had this who, who has quite rightly said i haven't had it easy I, I wasn't denying they hadn't had it easy they came from a working class background their father was a coal miner that the mine was shut in the thatcher era they had poverty and, and and challenges in their family as a young person and so they you know their, their argument was oh, i haven't had it easier either i'm not privileged mm. and it's really really tricky to, when you're discussing privilege is to try and swap between it's not about what you've gone through it's about what you haven't gone through because of the color of the skin because of your ability because of your your your, your nearer uh uh typicalness your your able-bodiedness whatever it may be or your straightness or your whiteness or you so you haven't gone through and that's a really tough angle to do because you're trying to acknowledge their struggle and not deny them their right to feel they've had a struggle but but introduce the concept is about what you haven't had and that that's that's sometimes a real challenge when you talk about privilege is to to get people into a receptive mind where they well, I'm not saying they're going to change their mind and, get, and suddenly have an epiphany and get it, but at least try and talk to them about how to see the world in a slightly different way. So for me, it's around trying to nudge perspectives than than have disagreements on outcomes, and that that's that's always my my approach. But yeah, it's it's very difficult. And I, I I'm like you. I've I've been in situations, and I I end up saying I just got to take myself out of here. This conversation is I'm, is not. No one's going to win. No one's going to feel better about this. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna burn out. So yeah, uh, great talking to you. Catch you another time. Uh, it's not even agree to differ. It's just, it's just differ. <laughs>
1: it's just <different. laughs> yeah, agree yeah, to differ. Just, just, different. just walk away from it. And, and 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 I mean, you you know, you you mentioned there. You know, you used the word burnout. You know, the. I mean, I'm a huge, um, you know, hugely passionate about mental health. You know, mental health. Um, is something that I struggle with. You know, I I struggle with anxiety for many many years. Um, my wife, well, my in fact, going back to when I said about one of the first memories in my life. You know, when I was uh, a toddler, my mum had uh, agoraphobia, so for two years she didn't even leave the house. You know, when I was born and I was growing up, um, well, growing up. You know, started to develop um you know so right from an early age you know i've been very aware of you know kind of like my mum's always had this you know the most caring person in the world but she's always had this slight nervousness about life um And and her anxiety, sorry, her agoraphobia came back. You know, I was in my thirties, and one day she rang me. My dad was working in Singapore, and she 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 rang me, and I was like, "You're right, mum." And she just burst into tears, and I was like, "Uh, "What's up?" She said, "I just can't go." So I then went from you know my where I lived just down the road, and went and stopped with my mum for a couple of days, Um, and for some reason, the agoraphobia came back on. Um, and, you know, since then, you know, I think, I think you know, for somebody who spent so many years helping other people, you know, as a Samaritan, um, you know, the reason that she joined the Samaritans because, she, you know, 50 years ago, she was struggling herself, you know, and it's something now in 2021 that is... You know, cut we all talk about mental health now, which is so important, which is so um, impactful. Mental health doesn't discriminate. You know, we talk about inclusion. Well, mental health, you know, everybody has mental health. They either have good mental health or bad mental health or somewhere in the middle. And um, it impacts us all in some way. We all know somebody who's impacted by mental health, you know, be it depression, anxiety, you know, you know, some people wake up having a bad day and they might not realise that they're struggling. So, um, and it's something that when, you know, when we talked about the title of, of this session, you know, the talking side of things, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mental health first aider. and my wife's a mental health first aid in our, our, our relative jobs um, with both people that friends, family and colleagues come to, you know, and um, We've both been trained. We're properly qualified. Um, where I work, we've got 130 fully trained mental health first aiders now, you know, which is quite incredible, I think. You know, hugely impactful in the UK. Um, you know, and all of them, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know all of them. I know a lot of them, and they're incredibly inspiring people, you know, and you feel part of... Um, you know, part of this, this this team of people that are there for others. And I th- I just I just think, um, you know, the whole mental health thing, when it's a very personal issue, then you get things like what happened to me last year, you know, where we're just, you know, I'm just, you know, opening a conversation and then I just get abused. And then it affected me personally, you know, it brought my anxiety back. Um, it knocks your confidence. It makes you feel rubbish. Um, you know, and the easiest thing to do is like hide away, shy away. And then you go like, you know, you, you get your toolbox out that my counselor gave me a few years ago, you know, it's all in my back pocket somewhere and I got it all out and I was like, right, go on Ian, have a word with yourself. Think about it you know is it that important to you that somebody's who you've never met before has abused you online is it really that important is it worth making yourself ill well no it isn't worth making yourself ill you've got a billion brilliant things in your life you know you're surrounded by an amazing group of friends family colleagues why are you letting this one person upset you and
0: but it they can it's no. and that's 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 the thing i mean i, I have my own p- particular characteristic and i know that when i'm putting myself in certain situations i i put my suit of armor on i'm prepared i've got my padded shoulder pads i've got my all my ankle protectors and knee protectors so when i go out into this particular environment i know that i've got this kind of protection mechanism around me I've, i'm ready i'm prepared but there are so many times when I, I, I go into a place or go into the world where I feel safe, I feel relaxed, I feel kind of okay, and I, I don't put my armor on or maybe just go armor light or something or just just my little, uh, just quickly look out. And that's when I, I, I can be affected because I'm not in the, my mental state isn't such that I'm protecting myself. I'm just relaxed. And that's when it can affect me the most. And I often used to talk about it, I don't know if you've seen the film Dune, but no. they, have, they have the original one but Sting I always remember I know there's a new one now but they have these suits and so if you try and attack somebody with this, this electronic suit they have the swords bounce off but if you use a really slow travelling bullet it can penetrate and form the wavelength of the suit so it goes straight through it mm-hmm. so what happens sometimes is even when I've got my suit of armour on someone can get this really penetrating bullet or, or, or stab at me that just manages to find that chink in the armour that's when, I, again, I have this, I can have a mental health crisis and I'm, uh, a loss of confidence, A uh, uh, and I'll, I'll hold it in my mind for weeks and weeks and months and months and months. And I still talk about it when uh, the the, uh, the parcel delivery person on my doorstep handed me my parcel and then goes, here you are, buddy. And I thought, <laughs> would you ever address my wife in that way? No, you mm. probably wouldn't. Or no. oh, the ice cream salesman where, near where I live on the beach Hand me an ice cream and go, here you are, mate. And I thought, again, if my wife was buying that ice cream, would you have spoken to her in that way? So there's subtle interactions, you know, microaggressions, if you want to call them Absolutely. microaggressions. Always remind me that I'm not good enough. I'm not passing someone's test. So I understand exactly what you're saying. You, 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 you go into these environments to have these conversations, to just smile and enjoy life, and all of a sudden this one little thing – May seem like a minor thing, but it's, it's, a, it's a macro aggression, not a micro aggression. <laughs> it slaps you around the face sometimes and says, ha ha, you're not good enough. And yeah. I, so I get what you're saying there.
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's so easy as well. It's so easy to, I think, especially, you know, when we talk about how we communicate nowadays, you know, um, the art of conversation, I think, is dying out. The art of text, WhatsApp, email you know um webex chats you know uh, online chats facebook chats you know twitter instagram you know it's very easy to to look at a comment or look at the, a, an email that you may get and you read it completely wrong you know the words are the same but you read it in the complete opposite way to the person who's writing it has said it so um or has written it you know so there uh, one thing that i was very bad at that i've I've literally changed in the last six months i've so i'm quite an upbeat outgoing friendly character you know I'll, I'll make time for everybody if i can um you know it's probably one of my weaknesses i make too much time for everybody and not enough time for myself at times but um i i would talk on or I, I would write as I talk. And so I would use an exclamation mark, you know, because I'm going, oh, yeah, that's brilliant, exclamation mark. And some people look at an exclamation mark as, oh, they're, he's shouting at me, oh, that's brilliant, you know, or something like that. And, it, and they read it wrong. So I've now completely taken exclamation marks out of my life and I've replaced them with smiley faces and sad faces. And so, so many of my emails at work, I'll go, smiley face or unhappy face. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that we couldn't have done it that way. Unhappy face or that's really brilliant. Smiley face. Um Just yeah. literally, because I think some people were kind of like, oh, he's a bit angry. And I was probably really happy. So, and again, it's just a different way that we communicate and we we can quite easily misinterpret things
0: yeah i i said you're so right i i i actively pick up an emoji if i'm going to use an emoji not not what i would call the sort of the textbook this is what the emoji means i want to convey how i'm feeling so if i mean i don't know i i, I use the shruggy shoulders if i think that's a bit of a Bit of a statement. I have the slap slap face one, and I, I use the uh, so I'm happy to use the, the, the kind of expressions and the emojis, the laugh out louds, all this. So I, I like to I like to pad my texts and my sometimes my emails with that approachable, friendly reaction, as you say, rather than just the, the dot 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 or the the exclamation mark or the the, the thump thump thump, the punctu- punctuation that people use. So I think it's important that we we learn to re communicate that 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 humanity. In our in our nonverbal communication, because you're right, we we've lost the art of rhetoric. We've lost the art of of, of getting into debate and discussion in a respectful way. It's, it's it's confrontation. It's it's block. It's it's flame. It's it's target. It's destroy. It's judge. And we don't start off again. I come back to what I said earlier. It's about understanding someone's perspectives. You don't have to agree with somebody. You just just go. Okay, I get it. I understand why you're saying that. Yeah. Um, our answer's different, but our workings out are, are similar. So, Absolutely. it's just we have Absolutely. a different outcome, and I, I, I th- and I, I think we we lose that often in text, in brief communications on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a it's a really tough place to exist as a, as, a, as a minority. You, yeah, you, there's too much going on there.
1: No, I agree. I agree, and and I, I'm I'm one of these people who, you know, I do tend to beat myself up if I think that. Um, I could have upset somebody you know i have always been one of those people um and you know I go about life you know kind of like you are right, you are right, you are right, you are right, you know um and and that's just me you know that's that's my mum's side of me coming out, and you know. I am turning into my dad's. You know, what can I do about helping other people? What can I do to do this better? And what can I do to educate other people and be educated myself? Um, I wanted to mention there was something that I saw um, a colleague over in Poland had. Uh, the, the, one of our officers in Poland have been doing a, a diversity and inclusion. Comp- competition type of thing you know and they've been producing videos um about what diversity and inclusion means to those you know groups and one of them um uh, came out with the line uh what if we had glasses that saw the mind and soul of our colleagues and I thought oh I like that that's really quite deep but wouldn't that be quite good if you could actually sit and have a conversation with somebody?" And have a pair of glasses on to see what they were thinking. You know, where you talk about my superpower, I've changed my superpower now. I want glasses that can, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I can see if they're happy, if they're sad. How can I help them become happy if they are sad? You know, what's going on in their mind? You know, if they are from a different gender, ethnicity, you know, disability, you know, if they're sat there. You know, not having the confidence to talk about it. If I had my glasses on, I could see that and I could help them. Um, You know, so if you could see inside a mind and if you could see inside a soul, that would be pretty damn good superpower, I think. So, uh, so yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you.
0: Let me push back on that. Let me just push back on that. Isn't that lazy? Isn't that asking... <laughs> For your superpower to do all the heavy lift for you, isn't isn't it more fun to find that out for yourself and actually put invest that time to have that conversation? And say. How are you? Come on, how are you feeling? Be vulnerable yourself. Absolutely. I'll share something about me. You share something about you. And at the end of it, we're comfortable with each other that we let go and share. And I, I, I love the idea of. I think I always wanted a pair of attract, a pair of glasses to work out if if people were attracted to me when I was younger. You, know, you can always look at someone and have a, like a red light if they like me, or so if they didn't like me and a green light if they if they if they like <laughs> me to make make dating easier. But, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there is there is no there is no easy out outcome. You have to. Invest to get back, don't you?
1: That's absolutely right. You know, you've got to work hard in life. You've got to work hard to mm. to get to know people. You know, it, it would be so easy if you just had a pair of glasses, but we know that pair of glasses is never going to happen. You know, that pair of glasses will never exist where you could just look inside somebody's mind. So you have to. You're absolutely right. You know, you've got to invest the time to actually make the effort if you want to make the effort if you want to get to know people. You know, you know, just as long as you do things and as long as you ask in the right way, you know, in a non-judgmental way, in a friendly, kind, caring way, it can be absolutely anything. Um, You know, and if you're prepared to listen and learn and understand, um, it makes us a better person, and it makes the person that you've just interacted with feel a better person themselves because you kind you of like they feel like, well, actually, no, that is quite kind, you know, and it is somebody actually genuinely. We, we, I was on an event at work, um, a couple of days ago about Diwali, and one of our colleagues, there were four colleagues talking about Diwali and their faith, um, and one of them said the most lovely thing, um, she said, if anybody in the local office has never been to a temple before and would like to go to a temple. I'm sure any of us would be happy to take you to our temple so that you could experience it. And I thought, how good's that? You know, I, I wouldn't, and I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a kind, considerate caring person, but I probably wouldn't say just off the top of my head, Oh, hang on a minute. Do you know, does anybody who's in Leeds just want to come to, you know, um, you know, yeah. somewhere with me, and I thought that was pretty damn special. I I really liked that. Um and I just wish there were more people that were that kind in the world. Um you know.
0: I like that. Because I I'm I I kind of put my cards on the table. I'm I i could not consider myself as having any religious belief at all. Maybe kind of a, a spiritualism, but not not a, a fa a faith. And I feel I have I have always felt uncomfortable being in a a church a Christian you know either yeah. Catholic or Protestant church. I've always found my it, it kind of uncomfortable being in that environment because it it represents something that I don't have a faith or belief in. So, but I've I have visited places around the world. I've yeah I've been to the the church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. I've been I've I've. Done the full Jerusalem experience and some of the, and some of the religious sites there. Um, but I, I think because I saw it's more archaeological and not current, yeah. or it was like, more like a museum, it didn't, it didn't, but I, I, I think that's a fantastic idea to at least for, to understand about someone else's faith and belief, Yeah, to have that appreciation of, of what Islam means, what, uh, Buddhism means, what, uh, absolutely people who are hindu films. yeah so, yeah and and to, and to be invited into a place of worship which is a very I don't know, a very treasured and solid uh, sacred place to people is a real honor and i think that's that's a really fantastic idea yeah.
1: i think so and again you know um you know the the lady who said it i mean i i'm useless at guessing ages you know she wasn't um you know, I I would class her as quite a young person. Um, And I'm thinking, how many young people do I know who would say, if anybody, you know, whatever age you are, whatever gender you are, whatever background you've got, you know, if you want to come with me, I'll show you. And I was like, that is so impressive. You know, and again, that's on the back of our multicultural network, set this session up. And it's just inspiring. You know, I think that's what you know, makes you know, I, you know. I'm inspired by people. You know, and, and and that's what I quite often joke to people that I've got the best job uh, at Aon where I work. You know, I I do a lot of presentations, and I say, "Oh, yeah, I've got the best job at Aon." Now, it might not be the highest paid job, and it might not be um, you know the most rewarded job, but the reward is what I get in inside. Um you know, and i'm surrounded by great people that give me that reward. you know it might not be in my bank account at the end of the month, you know I get paid yes obviously <laughs> but but you know um you know i don't i don't have targets, so i don't get you know certain yeah. bonuses and you know all all those things, but I get so much more than a lot of people do i yeah,
0: people people's worth. And people's self-esteem goes far beyond monetary value. It is around satisfaction of their own sense of self. You know, are you aligned with what's important to you? And I think that it's far more important. I mean, it's easy for us to say we're in our later life. When I was in my 20s and 30s, maybe I had a different outlook and I was definitely on that different part of my life curve where I wanted wanted stuff and acquisition and and property. And I think when you get to your 50s, you realize that, that, maybe the privilege is you have a lot of that stuff and that you can now focus on what's really important in life which is around the work life balance Absolutely. family, yeah. the environment you know, just being a one with the world and, yeah. and getting remuneration from different elements other than just financial
1: yeah definitely you know and and you know giving back you know you know part of my role's community you know giving people the opportunity to get involved in mentoring or volunteering or charity work you know and and you know when I see people come back you know somebody's emailed me this morning and said oh um, and I just wanted to let you know that I've become a a, a governor at, at the local school and I've never met this person I don't know you know I was looking back to see if I'd actually been in email communication with this person who just literally decided to tell me that this morning and I was like that's brilliant you know, I wake up on a Friday morning and somebody gives me that good news. And I was like, yeah, that starts my day in a really good mood now, you know, cause again, some great person's done something great. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, my, my, my one thing that I would just say to everybody is just, you know, just take what you can out of life. Um, you know, in the most positive way from whatever, um, angles that you can take it and, and just try and, you know, just try and enjoy it. Try and be happy. Try and put those negatives to one side. Focus on the positives. You know, if you need a bit of support, find somebody who's going to give you that support because there are people out there that will give people support. Um, yeah, and take inspiration from people. You know, I take inspiration from a lot of people, you know, from, you know, I've got my next, my next door neighbor um uh their daughter plays football and she's in west virginia um she's 21 and she's playing football in america and once or twice a week i get to watch her games live um because her dad sends me a link and i just think i wish i was that bold when i was 21 years old i wish i had the um courage to achieve my ambition you know and her ambition is she wanted to be a female footballer now she's off in america playing football um and i'm just people like that inspire me you know and um yeah couldn't couldn't make me happier to see people you know around me inspiring me
0: thank you ian i mean the title of this episode was to talk to listen and to learn we've talked i've listened. And I've learned. So for me, I think the objective of this uh, session has been met. So it's been absolutely fantastic having a conversation with you. We could have, we well, are over the hour. We could have gone on for another hour, I'm sure, very easily. And maybe we'll catch up for a coffee another time. Uh, so how can people get in touch with you, some of our listeners, if they want to connect with you, find out more about what you're doing, maybe they need some inspiration for their own staff networks or, or, or webinar series? What's the best way to, to yeah, find you? Yeah.
1: Um... Joanne, probably the best way is LinkedIn. If people are on LinkedIn, um, you know, I'm looking at LinkedIn every day. Uh so it's Ian Chapman, it's two eyes. Uh Ian with two eyes, I A I, I and Chapman. Um yeah, feel free to feel free to get in contact. Um you know I'm more than happy to um, you know, connect with people. Um and yeah, no, and thank you. I've really, I've really enjoyed this morning. It's, it's as you can probably tell, I, I love a chat, but I love a positive, you know, chat. And I, I feel this has been a really positive session. And hopefully, if anybody who's listening feels that they can take just one little nugget of positivity into their day, um, then that's a big tick for me. And uh, thank you, Joanne, for setting these things up.
0: Fantastic, and uh, so a huge thank you to the listeners. That if you if you kept going to the end, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in and getting this far. Um, if you're not already doing so, please subscribe and keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bytes podcast. At B I T E S, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, share the links. That would be much appreciated. I have a number of other exciting guests lined up that I'm sure you'll also be inspired by over the next few weeks and months. And obviously, I have a back catalogue of another 49 episodes if you want to review and go through those as well. So also, if you'd like to be a guest, I'm always looking for guests to share your story, share your passion, then please let me know. And if you have any feedback or suggestions on future shows and how we can improve, then send them to joe.lockwood at uk. My name is Joanne Lockwood. And it's been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time.
1: Bye.